0: Guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We really appreciate all of the support and staying alongside the audio to now visual component of Beans Without Boundaries Uh, going forward with the second season. We do have like a little bit of increase of cost, so we set up a little donation thing through Buy Me a Coffee. It's a little website that if you're willing to just splurge, there's an option for being able to just buy me a coffee. It also gives me a good idea if you really are enjoying our content and would like to help support and continue it. The link will be in the description underneath the YouTube video. It's also gonna be in the description for Apple Podcasts and um, Spotify Podcasts as well. Uh, Whichever platform uh, would be greatly appreciated to just continue following along the journey and whatever you're willing to just kind of help with feedback, whether it's comments on the videos or just going on social media. Um, And if you're feeling typically generous, It'd be great to just throw a coffee my way. Thanks for listening in and uh, until next time. So let's start let's start from the name. Swelter Coffee. I'm like really curious to where the name's origin started and I guess the origin of Swelter Rock.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Really... <laughs> well, the name isn't really, there isn't really a great fantastical story behind it. It is basically my name. Okay. Um, my, my uh, maiden last name is Welter. Mm-hmm. And I went by S. Welter for, you know, lots of like, that's just sort of the shorthand I've used. Gotcha. Um, and when I first started, I started home roasting about almost roughly 10 years ago. And so when I give friends and family coffee, Mm -hmm. a few of them just called it Swelter Coffee. So there you go. (laughs) I know when I, when I decided to turn this into a thing, I just couldn't think of anything more meaningful. I mean, not that Swelter is super meaningful, but it just, it was already kind of in place and I couldn't think of anything that would be more meaningful without trying to create some, some great story behind it so I just stuck with that for now and it seems like it's just gonna stick
0: (laughs) no that sounds like it's it makes it more personable it's more intimate that way versus like something more catchy and punny so
1: right yeah like I don't know I love I do like hearing people's sort of origin stories or like the thinking they put behind the name Mm -hmm. so that was really sticking to me. Like if I couldn't think of like anything more potent or meaningful to me, then I'll just stick with my name. <laughs> yeah. And then people think it's funny because sweltering hot and they're like, Oh, is it because of coffee roasters? that can you know, it gets really hot. I'm like, no, it's just my name. <laughs> you should just piggyback off
0: of it and be like, yeah, that's exactly I why know. I named it that way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So you started with home roasting.
1: What what brought you into yeah, home roasting yeah. from so, the beginning? Yeah, so this yeah, that right into the origin story. So basically, <laughs> um, I'm like almost a lifelong coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I started at a young teenage age. I didn't I didn't start before I was, but then teen a teenage years, you know, I remember drinking coffee, and I grew up in the northwest, so we would. All as teenagers would go to the coffee houses and stuff because mm-hmm. that was sort of the coffee culture was just kind of pretty prominent in the the northwest and so I always just loved going to coffee houses, so I've been a coffee drinker all my life, and then as I've gotten uh, I've also just been somewhat of a a maker or like someone who likes to try to make things mm-hmm. um specifically food related. so I make my I make cheese, I make mm. bread, you know. I, I'm not necessarily great at any of it. I just like to do it. So um, like for a long time I made my own yogurt, partly for environmental reasons, but you know, so anyway, I I stumbled upon um a book from James from Blue Bottle way about ten years ago and he had this little insert, like a two pages where, it walked you through how to roast coffee at home. And I was just like, what the heck? I've never done this before. Why haven't I done this before? I went out and I figured out where to buy green coffee and started buying it. and started in my oven and I was hooked. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was a diehard, dark, dark, dark roast uh, coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. And so initially, you know, and I lived in a tiny apartment in Oakland smoking out my kitchen every time i'm trying to roast because you have to like i use a perforated sheet so you stick it in you have to shake it every like 30 seconds or so so that the you agitate the beans because otherwise they just kind of scorch on one side right and so you know all that exhaust and smoke like makes your (laughs) uh (laughs) definitely decreases the air quality inside of an apartment (laughs) (laughs) without ventilation (laughs) um but yeah, so, and just sort of exploring how to do it at home and where I would buy it. I could just buy a pound or two from different origins, and I just really got into trying out a ton of different origins and just having fun with it, and I just slowly, not super slowly, somewhat slowly, got lighter and lighter just because I I, I just couldn't get a really dark roast in my oven. Mm. And then I just started developing a taste for the lighter roast and started really appreciating all the nuances and different flavors. So, I was sort of like a happenstance, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
1: third wave specialty coffee drinker. Um, And now I can't do the super dark roast Mm -hmm. (laughs) anymore. It, like, literally upsets my stomach. So, um so yeah, so I just kind of had fun with it, and so I would just do it for fun. And I'd roast for my office, I'd roast for friends and family um, for many years. I quickly graduated to a home roaster, so I got a B more about I guess, eight years ago, nine years ago, uh, which basically looks like a little oven that mm-hmm. you put on your counter, and I'd roast, you know, about a quarter of a pound at a time, to- or three quarters of a pound at a time, and spend on my whole Saturday doing batch after batch after batch, trying to get enough to like give to everybody I wanted to give it to. No. Um, and then uh, sooner after I heard through the grapevine that there was a co roasting space opening up in Berkeley. Mm. And so I jumped in on that and started roasting there on their one pound sample roaster, a okay. uh, Sam, uh, San Franciscan. And so I was on that thing for many, many years. I'd go like, um, on my lunch break, you know, Cause it wasn't far from where I worked.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'd go and roast for an hour, do a couple batches, come back. And um, it was way more efficient than in my kitchen. <laughs> so yeah. I just really loved the process. And then learning more about origin, processing, mm-hmm. all those things, I just sort of fell in love with it.
0: So when you explored home roasting to being able to work on the sample roaster, when did it start to click that you wanted to own your own shop?
1: Um, it was sort of like a fantasy for a while. I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe this will turn into something.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then it was when I actually started getting serious thinking about it, it was actually after I had my daughter, she's five now. hmm. Um, and you know, I was like, we don't need, an, we don't need another coffee roaster in this world. There's so many, especially in the Bay area in California. We just have, there's just so many, and there's so many great ones. You know, there's a, so many around really tasty coffee roasters, different folks doing, trying to do different things, good things, et cetera. Um, so I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this, I have to have a point of view. I have to have has to mean something to me and it has to mean something to the world so um I was actually at a so in my my, in my previous life which is still still active I'm a designer and I I design a lot of stuff around messaging and strategy around more sustainability sustainable stuff. And so I was at a talk with Paul Hawken, uh, who started uh, Project Drawdown, which is um, a really great organization that does a lot of data and calculations on how to achieve drawdown using accessible technologies in the world. And so they, they, they do all the research they and they rank things. So, and I was at a talk and at the time, one of the top ranking things to achieve drawdown to curb basic global, basically global warming was to support women farmers.
2: Mm.
1: And like, that's when this light bulb in my head went off. was like, well, there's women coffee farmers. uh, Maybe that could be like a focus. And I had just had my daughter as sort of like this newfound, somewhat feminist outlook Mm. on like, gender equity and everything is sort of bubbling up very fresh, very fresh going going having gone through the whole birthing process and kind of learning about a lot of stuff is just like compounded. And it's like, oh well that I could really get behind that. I could really get behind figuring out ways to support or like just supporting women from a sustainability standpoint. Um I mean the data they were talking about is is more or less, small shareholders worldwide in the in agriculture, supporting small shareholders, women share uh, farmers. Is there a reason? Why? Is what? Um, yeah, yeah. It has to do with um, it. Basically, has to do with access and mm-hmm. and um, uh, sorry, what's the word? Um, volume. So, for example, uh, women just you know globally especially in third second world countries don't have the same access to owning owning land um education resources financing and so their yields don't tend to tend to match that of men however they do they do have a they do do a lot of the work so the idea is if you invest in those farmers so that their yields can increase and match you know everyone else's quote-unquote, then you can produce more mm. food for the world without having to deforest more land. And they are able to, like, calculate some, measure it, and actually have, uh, so it's, like, as a way to invest in things that will, you know, imp- support populations without degradating more. Oh, it's really loud out there. You no, can you're, hear
0: it? No, I can't. <laughs> so we're good.
1: <laughs> I can I can barely hear myself. <laughs> um, it's like they're literally
0: you're speaking into a void. Like
1: got the <laughs> yeah, they're literally got the leaf floor right outside my door. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was that's the gist. That's mm-hmm. the gist of why supporting women farmers was it was just one of the top ones at the time. And so I was like, okay, if I'm gonna do a coffee brand and start my own thing, that's gonna be the first thing. Is like figure out ways to support women, women producers in whatever way I can. And so diving into that, I really didn't know how to gain information about what, um, like what women, what producers were paid and all that stuff. So it was sort of like diving into all of that, like understanding better how much they make and then learning all the things about how, you know, producers can't even support themselves. And, um, they're all in poverty because of the, you know, the commodity pricing and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was it. And then I was like, okay. So then I just started thinking about like, how do I build a brand around this? I started seeing if I could actually buy coffee from one of my producers through the, the resource that I had. And that was really hard. And then I found one that made it a little bit easier to find because traceability is a really hard component of it. Mm -hmm. Um, when you, especially when you're working with importers and stuff and when you're a really small roaster, you have to, you know, you can't even fathom doing anything direct. You have to go through importers and such. So then just seeing like, well, what can I get my hands on? So I, I started finding some, some women producers that I could buy really small volumes and just slowly sort of dabbled and did it and was starting to plan my departure from my day job and and figuring out how I would do that. And then the pandemic hit uh, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it now. Uh, um, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Um, I had like, I, I, yeah, I was trying to just, I had been planning my, you know, my departure or just more to leave it. Cause I, I was trying to do all of this while I had a full-time job and while I had a very small child at home, which is another and full-time job quickly realized, yeah, quickly realize that's just not a recipe for happiness. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I realized, okay, if I'm gonna actually give this a go, I'm gonna have to let go of my secure full time job. That only thing I've ever known for my most of my adult life mm-hmm. and go into the deep end of entrepreneurship and um but I don't know, I just had the part of me was like, I gotta give this a go. I gotta right. try it out. I gotta see if I can make this into something. And so um, it delayed a few months since because of covid, but it sort of quickly turned into like you can't put this off anymore you just have to you just have to be so, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. so that's what I did in the summer summer twenty twenty is when it' basically came more official that uh, yes, I'm doing this, so
0: I love that because <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of the pandemic from different. Also, episodes we've had a few people on the show who have also opened shops during the pandemic and i'm I'm mm-hmm. happy that both and yours included have made it and pulled through that like hard, rocky road that it probably gave you. But it seems like the pandemic really sprung a lot of entrepreneurial ideas for a lot of people, especially in the coffee world. so
1: yeah, I think maybe maybe part of it too is like, it really comes to your drive Mm -hmm. and your passion in there. And when things are unstable outside, it's like, well, you kind of go, you're more likely to go with either. I really, I have to do this because there's something in me making me do it. Or you have that fear. It's like, no, I can't take the risk. And then you stay where you, you know, it's like, it it Mm -hmm. pulls you into those extremes maybe. I don't know. That's just one theory that, um, and then maybe the folks who actually take the plunge are more willing to ride the ride and as um, scary and unpredictable and unsure as it is. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I've pulled through yet. I'm not. I'm not. I'm still um, grow, you know, I'm still growing. It's still not making, any. not profitable or anything like that. So, you know, I think that takes time, mm-hmm. but, um, I've had really good luck. I've met some amazing people mm-hmm. and I'm happier than I've ever been. So that's great. I think something in there is right. You know, I'm not making any money, but I'm happier than I yeah. was when I had my secure job. So that's, that's, that's a something, right?
0: Yeah, no, I think that um, in general, the coffee industry always just produces like a really great sense of community. And then, of mm-hmm. course, working with the producers, it's a very um, humbling experience to be able to affect other people's lives just mm-hmm. based off of a product, so.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I really hope to strengthen that side of it more as mm-hmm. my business grows. I've really just barely dabbled in the connections with um, producers. I'm really excited to, I'm going to be getting my hands on some beans from some producers who I have met. I have been to their house and wow. I have hung out with them um, in the next couple of months. And so that just feels really amazing that I can see those connections Mm -hmm. um and some of the other folks that i've met that i will be uh showcasing their beans. like one of them also is um ruth from artisan i'm gonna get some of their coffee in which i'm really yeah really excited to Mm -hmm. support and to celebrate the work they're doing and the the women they work with Mm -hmm. so and then right now i've got um coffee from mighty peace. And that's been a really exciting, um, from like the folks in the Congo that seemed that was always been just really exciting to be able to share what they're doing with Mm -hmm. my customers and such. So stuff like that. Um, yeah, it is pretty, it is pretty amazing. Um, it just adds a little bit of depth, a lot of depth to what we're doing with this, Beverage that we just love to drink every day, you know?
0: You're creating stories, which ties Mm -hmm. the entire experience together.
1: I see see it more as sharing stories because those stories are there. Right. Um, You know, like they're there, they're around the world. It's like, how to, how do we better connect with them so that us here in privileged first world countries can have a better, deeper appreciation to what actually goes into all of our, all the things that we love to consume and enjoy every day. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's a huge privilege to have that. And most of us just sort of go through every day and just sort of, enjoy it or not even think about it just totally take advantage and so i think i see coffee is a great opportunity to start breaking some of that down and Mm -hmm. understanding better where that comes from and why it's important why it's been so important Mm -hmm. for so many years so
0: so working with women is it mostly women owned and women produced or is it just women produced
1: Um, I, I don't have that much detail for everything else. So for example, one of some of the coffees I get are from a co-op. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It's like a women's co-op. I don't know. I don't know who all really owns the land, you know, but, um, through my sources, they're produced and run by women. Mm-hmm. So I think that qualifies yeah, no. to support their totally. work and things like that.
0: Yeah. So are you also interested in gender equity, I think I like, like snooped on your website and saw gender equity kind of mentioned, and I kind of wanted to Mm -hmm. like pick your brain
1: on that too. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, so my first love is more in the sustainability space.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but as my adult years have gone on, I've gotten way more aware and passionate about gender gender equity, and just equity in and, and general, just, um, I mean, it's hard to decouple it from just about everything, but gender equity is such a huge component, and it runs so deep and so, for so long, right. you know, in so many different cultures, and it's so, so varied, yet, yet the core very similar in lots of cultures. So um yeah, and I'd have to say it's it's something I was aware of before, um, and somewhat paid attention to, but having a daughter
2: mm-hmm. has
1: really, really amplified my attention, my heightened um sensitivity to it and like being able to see it just the layers of sort of prejudice and injustice and sort of things that are ingrained in everything that we do mm-hmm. um you know sort of the more you pay attention to it the more you see it everywhere right that's kind of so yeah that's sort of been a big part a big part of it
0: where do you want swelter coffee to go like what? What trajectory do you see it kind of like, hopefully,
1: following? But yeah, as far as having a a company that has a positive impact, um, it's uh, extending further into being a coffee brand and a and a product that can offer something to consumers mm-hmm. that is. Um, uh, a better choice or a better option. So um, in the environmental space that I've worked in, it's really, I get really frustrated that, you know, everything lands on the, con- the customer or the consumer has to figure out how to deal with everything. You have to figure out how to deal with your waste. You have to figure out how to recycle. You have to figure out how to make better choices and compare all the things Of like, well, as a brand, as a, as a company, I want to put something out there that is easier for customers Mm -hmm. to make this decision. Um, so that's really what inspired the zero waste coffee club is like, I can't find a packaging solution for my coffee that I feel good about, that I feel, you know, is making the world a better place. Cause all it is, is more waste Mm -hmm. and using it more energy. Um, and so, and I didn't see anyone else doing that, so I was like, "Well, I'll just try to figure this out on my own." <laughs> so <laughs> i um, i started I started with just like a handful of friends who were subscribers and tested out, like, "Okay, if I mail the coffee to you on this container, will you mail it back to me?" kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, I had a pretty good response, and then so I eventually launched it for just for anyone to join about a year and a half ago. And it's yeah. been my, it, I mean, it's not huge still, because I haven't really done any aggressive marketing or anything, because I still feel like it's a pilot yeah. phase. But it's been my fastest growing product. Um, and I've gotten pretty good feedback with the system. People just feeling really good that they're getting their coffee. The coffee is impactful because it's all produced by women. And right. Um, trying to support smaller shareholders, et cetera, but then there's no packaging waste in it as well. So basically, um, folks who are with, that join, they receive the coffee in a reusable container. Right now I use uh, silicone bags, kind of like Stasher bags, but not the, I don't use the Stasher brand, I use a different brand. Um, They receive that in a a reusable mailer and basically once they get the coffee in the mail, they pour it into a jar or they can opt in where they get a canister at the beginning of their subscription and they refill their container and then they put everything back in the same mailer, flip the mm-hmm. the return label over and then drop it at USPS and it comes back to me. And then I wash everything and kind of do the same thing. That's and it's amazing. On a four- wow. And it's on a four week cadence trying to like, you know, it's because I've, you know, in my testing, the coffee, it stays pretty good for at least a month if you, if you, if you store it well. So mm-hmm. I try to educate folks, okay, store it in an airtight container, keep it out of the sun, that kind of stuff. Um, and so then you only need delivery once every, you know, I do every four weeks only because I I roast every other week, so it's like a every other. You know, yeah. it just fits my roast. It just fits my schedule right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the volumes are higher, so people can get from one to four pounds every four weeks if they want. Um, and yeah, it's as simple as that. Um, the, the The technical difficulties is getting is the containers, so they don't. Sometimes they they don't seal. Because it's not made it was never made for that being mailed across the world the country, so they don't seal so sometimes they uh spill in the bag, which I usually use additional clips for that, so I'm looking into getting custom bags made for this so that that's not an issue um mm-hmm. but generally, yeah I've gotten people have been pretty um pretty pleased with the product, and like I said, it's been the fastest growing product that I've that I offer people just will mm-hmm. sign up for it so it's been pre- a pretty fun journey just sort of exploring that um but yeah it
0: seems like uh you say that you do a lot of marketing for sustainability and and you said climate
1: change uh it's all sort of related yeah it's yeah so I didn't do, I didn't do marketing I was I would did like design work for oh, okay For companies and um, you know corporations, corporate reporting, or uh, smaller companies and nonprofits that have more um, you know sustainable minded Mm -hmm. products or industries, et cetera,
0: seems like that background and then this idea as itself it's pretty innovative. And I think that do you have more projects in the future? of this trajectory line that we're p- we're painting for Swelter Coffee. We're going to manifest this to happen. <laughs> uh along this rhythm, do you have future projects that you would love to start implementing for Swelter Coffee in terms of um obviously supporting that sustainability being a huge part of mm-hmm. your uh brand and legacy?
1: Yeah. Um nothing else so far. I'm still pretty uh Swallowed it up by figuring out this circular packaging system mm-hmm. um, and just in imp- making improvements with that. Like I think there's still a lot of improvements that need to be made before I really push it to grow bigger. But um, I think just kind of sticking to those, those things is really creating a product that really I feel good about putting out in the world and then supporting folks who I want to support in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's the 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 producers in their communities. Mm-hmm. Just getting deeper into those things, I think, is where my passion is right now. Um, it's because it can be so so complex, um, and just do it. Trying to do it well. Trying to grow this thing in a sustainable manner. Right. Um, and then eventually, you know, if I grow large enough to have a team, you know, within my company, you know, it'll extend to how do we operate Mm -hmm. and, you know, where is our energy coming from? How do we run our facility? Things like that. I I would, I mean, I'm just going to have an eye towards that naturally because that's just kind of how I operate. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's all learning because I've, you know, I don't have any formal education in a lot of this stuff. So it's a lot of learning as you go and talking to lots of people and doing research and, and all of that and you also always have to be willing to pivot and mm-hmm. sort of reevaluate what you thought you knew. Yeah. Cause that's another thing is like there's always more to learn, there's always more analyses, there's always people doing really interesting research and mm-hmm. and reporting on things and you have to just be always open to how that might influence how you approach something and how you might need to change that so that it still feel, fits within your um, your ethos or your um, your values, mm-hmm. you know, from the sustainability and an equitable approach. Yeah.
3: So.
0: so you started off home roasting, uh, you're growing Swelter Coffee. How has it been integrating into the coffee community? Like, have you been going to SCA driven events or have you, obviously the Bay Area has a lot of coffee roasters. So I'm guessing, do you <laughs> kind of like all meet up and kind of mingle and like exchange it. I don't know. I'm just more curious. Oh. No.
1: Yeah. I should do more. I'm I am more so an introvert when it comes to that. I am very timid intimidated by coffee
0: people. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. I get it. Trust Um, me.
1: (laughs) So I have been, I mean, I've, I've been trying to get myself out there and then also diving into this while it was during COVID and stuff. So there wasn't a lot going on to Mm -hmm. go to, but I did go to my first, I went to the SCA expo last in April. Yeah. Um, was it April? Yeah, it was April. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the first sort of big event I did for that, um, I haven't done it really much locally. I roast here at a co-roasting space. So I try to do some of their events when I can, but Mm -hmm. I also have a young kid and a family. So, um, you know, that's my top priority is that type of stuff. But, um, but yeah, as I, as I get into it, I just try to do more and I tend to definitely resonate more with coffee related things that have uh the initiative or the um that are kind of tackling these types of things that that resonate with me and then i find that i can find people there that i connect with so for example last summer i went to the um women powered coffee summit held by bean voyage Mm -hmm. in costa rica and that was sort of really me going out on a limb, being like, I don't feel like I belong here, but I feel like I should go. This is exactly the type of stuff I want to support. Right. So I went and, um, and I couldn't really talk to anyone because everyone spoke Spanish, but um, they did a really good job. They actually did a fabulous job translating all the, because um, we have little individual ear things uh, recorders where they had a translator. So all the presentations were predominantly done in Spanish, mm-hmm. um, but they translated for the few of us who couldn't speak or understand Spanish. And it was really amazing, but I met some really amazing people. Amadis was one of them who I met there last year from Joe coffee. Mm-hmm. And then a few other folks who, um, and now I'm, I'm the coffee farmer that I met there is the coffee that I'm bringing in to, to supply for my customers through Bean Voyage, Mm. And um, so things like that, that are just really mission driven. Mm -hmm. um, I try, I definitely try to jump on those types of events and connections. And um, at SEA, there was a few extracurricular events that were more mission driven. And Mm -hmm. I definitely got a lot of value out of those and met some really wonderful people there. So it's just, it's, I feel like it's been slow for me just because I kind of need it to be. I'm mm-hmm. not, again, I'm not much of an extrovert, so, no, yeah. um, and I get really intimidated by people. So it's like, I don't necessarily put myself out there as much as I should probably.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, slowly but surely. Yeah. I would
0: love to hear more about your experience at the Women's Summit.
1: Yeah, and they're having they have another one this I don't know if you've heard about it, but they're having another one um this fall in November. So I plan on going to that. In Costa Rica again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh I think yeah, it's at the same venue outside of San Jose. Um and so I need to learn some Spanish <laughs> before I go. Um Yeah, it was it was really cool. It was um it's an attempt to connect producers with uh, more industry folk and what I think they're doing. that's very different. And again, I'm new to the industry, so I didn't really know that this just wasn't a thing, but it's putting on these events um, to support and gain access for producers primarily. Right. Um, But I think roasters and, and, us up in sort of quote unquote Western world or first world would still get a lot out of it. Like you just, Oh, all, all the presentations, um, maybe it doesn't relate to you a hundred percent, but I think it just helps everyone have a better understanding of the complexity of what it means to, to support this industry. Right. Um, and especially understanding, um, the situations that, most and many, many, many women producers find themselves in and the challenges they face and the tools they need to succeed, um, is I think good for all of us to understand and be aware of. Um, and then that way as a brand as like a roaster myself, I can be more intentional in how I support that and how I talk about it. Um, how I talk about it with consumers, how you educate consumers, all of all of of the above. So I think it's a really interesting and powerful thing that they've started.
0: Yeah, I've (laughs) heard about the Women's Summit before, and I was very Mm -hmm. curious about wanting to attend it, but obviously Mm -hmm. logistics getting there is always the hardest part. Yeah. How have your interactions with um, everybody in the industry been for you? I'm guessing, I know that you said you're more introverted. You haven't Mm -hmm. hopefully had negative occurrences, have you?
1: Um I wouldn't say negative, but I definitely would say I don't always feel comfortable. Yeah. in the space of coffee people. Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to think, I don't know if I have any specifics, but especially like being peripheral, for so many years, like I would go to the co-roasting space and go do my thing, go roast on the sample roaster just, you know, I wasn't in the industry. So um, I wouldn't say people were outright mean, but they weren't overly friendly. They definitely were not friendly. Um, and I feel like that's changing, especially one thing I've noticed that because of being someone who is interested in the whole craft of coffee roasting and all of that, um, i have been seeking out information and, and things to learn, et cetera, over the years. And earlier on, when I first started the first couple of years that I started roasting coffee, I I just couldn't find anything out there. Like there just wasn't resources out there. There are videos. Now there's a ton of videos. There's, um, lots of people doing education and and stuff like that around it. Whereas I felt like back then there really wasn't. So it seems like the, the openness to share is growing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's good. So my, that's why I think my initial um, approach or reaction was like, okay, this is a, you know, closed club. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, at least that was my impression, um, and so it, I just, it just so it just felt intimidating. So I never really approached tro- people. I didn't ask questions. I just tried to learn on my own. Um, and the folks that I would encounter, they didn't seem very interested in sharing with me. Um, but I think that's changed. I, it just it seems like the industry is more o- and people are more open to sharing and.
0: Do you have any interest in advancing outside of roasting since you're interested in a lot of sustainability, I guess, like economic development or other
1: things? Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a project I'm working on with, uh, Amaris and another woman we met at, um you should also talk to I'll email you her contact info <laughs> um, that uh that we're started um I feel like both of them are a lot more eloquent to talk about the project but it has to do <laughs> with um I know like I could sit and listen to Amadee's talk all day <laughs> she's very uh, intelligent intelligent and um such a wonderful tone but um It, yeah, it has to do with uh, how do I sum it up? Equitable quality information around um, coffee quality. And so it's like how do you share, how do you judge, how do you how do you decide um, who decides the quality of the coffee? Is it us up here in the global north that are roasting it and selling it, and then telling everyone else what the quality is, or should it be the the farmers on the farm? Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you how do you share that information more equitable together as a community, and then how how do we enable how does the industry enable folks at origin? to have the confidence to judge their own coffee and, and stand up for, you know, what they feel the value should be and the quality should be or the quality is
3: uh-huh.
1: versus the other way around where, you know, they're very just like sending it out there. be like, okay, people tell me what, you know, what what's the coffee score? What's the number? And, oh, well, these people said this and those people said that. What is it? You know, and it's just like um, farmers should, that should be, they should be able to do that themselves mm-hmm. um, and have the tools and the confidence to make those decisions themselves and to take what we say in conjunction with what they understand versus, you know, take what we say and be like, okay, that's the price point, you know, or whatever, based on some arbitrary, it's not arbitrary, but, in, you know, based on some number that they don't understand. So the the organization that we're starting tries to, to grapple with a lot of that and create an exchange where it encourages that dialogue and collaboration, Yeah, you know, across the world. Yeah, that's great. So it isn't necessarily swelter specific, but um, it's me yeah, it's whatever about your, something Yeah, and starting something that uh, just feels right and feels like, okay, let's do this, finding people that you work really well with and, and um, have a passion for it, so...
0: Yeah. I think she had mentioned it briefly in her episode as well, that that was something that she was interested in exploring more too. A, yeah. It's a pleasant surprise <laughs> that you're also involved.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I am also involved. Um, and again, I'll let her do this. Her and <laughs> do the speaking about it because they're both ways. No, eloquent. you're doing fine. Um, um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's a really great thing. Like I feel really excited to be able to be a part of it and working with them on this and the potential of, you know, we've, we've gotten, we've done some uh, focus groups and talked to a handful of people about it and just had really great feedback. So yeah. um, it's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. It sounds. So great. we'll do an episode on
1: that, that project in the future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't usually have a lot of chances to talk to mothers who work in the coffee industry. How how has, is- Being a full-time mom and balancing the work-life of your coffee, like, business bin.
1: Hard. Yeah. Because it's two very big investments. Yeah. And you, you asked before, like, what could be another thing that I might focus on? I would say that might be a huge theme through growing this business. And especially as I grow and employ people, um that work-life balance and being able to support people and their families will be huge. Um,
0: are you talking specifically for, it, like, the producing countries or, like, your staff? Staff.
1: Okay. I think it would be more staff. And producing, I mean, I, I would definitely be game to figuring out because I know that's a huge part of um, issue. I mean, it's, a, it's an issue globally with, like, what do you do with childcare, <laughs> you know, when you are... Uh, and especially in countries that women are assumed to be the child carers. Right. Um, how do you support them and how do you how do you create an environment where they can they can um, flourish and be the amazing em- employees or business owners or whatever that they can be in mm-hmm. addition to um taking care of their family and having the family values? It shouldn't be an either or. Um, so I think that could definitely be something that sort of flares up in my future, just because it's something I grapple with and something I see a lot of injustices in just in that in itself. Mm -hmm. But it's been hard, you know, especially having a young kid and, and trying to straddle this passion I have to grow a business and then also wanting to be a good mom and also feeling like I can't do either one very well. Mm -hmm. Um, because you, you know, I didn't have training for either of them. So you're just sort of trying to do your best at both and hoping yeah. that you're doing a good job at both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that partly for having a kid pushed me to do the business, because mm-hmm. that's part of what keeps me going. It's like I want to show my kid that you can go after your dreams and you can work really hard at them and you can, you can make something of it. Or I might have to show her that you can really go after something, decide that it's not going to work and you need to switch it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that's okay. You Mm -hmm. know, that is first and foremost, what I want her to see firsthand in a parent, like, and so when I, when, when things get really hard and I just feel like I can't do this and I shouldn't be doing this, <laughs> that's, that's try to where I take myself and be like, well, I have to do it for her. I have to keep trying for her. I can't lose hope. Um, Cause like starting a business and starting your own thing, you know, if you don't have hope that you'll work through it all, mm-hmm. you're, you're doomed uh, you don't have all the answers, but you have to have hope that you'll get there or you'll figure it out or you'll meet the right person or you'll hear the right thing so that you can solve this problem or that problem or get over that hurdle. Um, and so that's that's kind of where my I try to take my brain is like, well, I got to show her that I can do this. And I also have to show her that it's really hard. It's really fucking hard. Um, excuse my language.
3: Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs>
1: um, That, you know, it takes a lot of hard work and Mm -hmm. sacrifice as well. Um, And I don't know if she'll want to be an entrepreneur or whatever, but whatever she decides to do with her life, I just want to show her that you can have passion and you can have drive and you can do all the things and you can love it. You don't have to give give anything up.
0: Sounds like you're verbally speaking a love letter to your daughter right now. It's beautiful to listen to.
1: I think so. I think so. No. <laughs> I mean, she has been I mean, motherhood just, you know, on a dollar level has just been really hard for me. But um Yeah. Um I've also found a huge amount of um what's it called? Maybe it's the that drive or that Strength. that passion strength yes thank you that's that's a good (laughs) one I I found a huge amount of strength yeah just kind of having that I mean of course throwing a kid in the mix of trying to build a business makes everything harder but it's almost like you need that to do it like I Mm -hmm. couldn't do it on my own for somehow for some reason even though I thought about it for many years I didn't have the courage but now that I had a kid I was like well it's either now or never
0: Yeah, I think it goes back to what you were explaining before about balancing between that leap of, like, the unknown into that faith-driven, like, hope that this will pull through and and be what it is hopefully meant to be. Or you stay Mm -hmm. in a system where you're constantly working that nine-to-five or whatever that job is that's bringing you that financial stability, and you just sit and wonder. And I think that um, Mm -hmm. that plagues the mind, I don't think that's a healthy way to live. Mm-hmm. So I think that you taking mm-hmm. the big leap and a lot of what you're trying to build for Swelter too, Um I think it's really innovative. And I like the ideas that you have in place and who you're collaborating with and what you're trying to build for yourself only being, like starting from a really interesting groundwork of home roasting that I honestly have never tried to do. <laughs> And don't you know. Should it. try it. <laughs> I feel like I'd burn my whole apartment down. <laughs> I'd be like, "Oh, how does this work?" I literally do this for a living in a bigger oven. I can't do this here. <laughs> but it's it's like you're really like covering so many different levels of ground here. That I think that once you reach that trajectory line that we're manifesting here, it'll it'll just be implementing so many different things for when you do eventually build staff to the other sustainable projects you want to be involved with or create for swelter I think that there's just a lot of potential for what you're building for yourself and I think that your daughter's going to be able to look at her mom and be like wow look at my mom being cool and like building stuff and doing things for the environment and for global warming so. uh-huh.
1: well I yeah I think I just I you know I want I think it's important that it it you should just do what you're passionate about. I don't know like it's not that I want her to see and be like isn't it cool what my mom built it's like oh I can do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do I can go after the things and have an impact and and have these deci- and make these decisions. I don't have to be I don't have to conform to what society thinks I should be or what these people think I should be. Mm -hmm. Um, That's more or less what I want her to see. Cause I think when, I mean, when I went to college and entered the workforce, like I had a very much more traditional, yeah, you do that nine to five and Mm -hmm. oh, entrepreneurship. That was, you know, totally different. Like, I didn't even know that was, I didn't even know what it was. Um, Or that you could start anyway. It's just like, it's just to show that, You know, and and there's nothing wrong with being in a nine to five either. There's definitely nothing wrong with that. It's like it's figuring out what's the right thing for you at the right time in your life. And that's going to change as you as your life changes and you grow and you learn things. And it could be the other way around where you wanted to be an entrepreneur when you're younger, but then decide, no, I want to have a nine to five and, and work in a bigger organization. I feel like I have a better impact. I could feel. like tap into my talents and my passions more in this way or that way Mm -hmm. there's no wrong or way about it but it's about doing things that's meaningful to you and trying to find that balance with what makes you human what makes you you Mm -hmm. and what you want to represent in the world and it can be through your family it could be through your work it could be through the combination of the two and a few other things that you throw in there sounds great
0: but I appreciate you being on the this episode and ex, explaining your journey and explaining uh about Swelter and a lot of you and your new birth of being in the industry and like kind of like paving your path.
1: Mhm. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun to meet you and I've been listening in on your episodes and learning more about what you're doing. It's really great. So. Oh, thank so you. you the luck.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm trying. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, you're you're paving your journey, too. And so it's fantastic. So
0: I appreciate that. Thank you. I will say that her whole brand is very much like she's running it all. And I have a lot of respect for her doing that and being a mom and whatever else that she's working with on that nonprofit idea, just equity in terms of coffee quality. And I think it's really... Amazing what she's trying to do for herself, being so kind of like me, fresh in the industry. Because obviously she started during the pandemic when she brought up Swelter and then has been slowly growing. And then she wanted to start from the ground, putting and implementing these sustainable ideas that I, I'm pretty sure once she has a knack for it, she'll continue to create more innovative ideas. So it's like the idea of what she's trying to do is great. And who she's working with are great people. But yeah, I think that the zero waste idea is something that could really turn into something great. I do like the educational part of her trying to inform the consumer because I feel like a lot of the time coffee companies don't do that. They don't try to teach coffee to people. It's not very educational at all. And I think that what she's trying to do is make it so personable i think a lot of this is a characteristic to her personality i think that her trying to make a difference within the consumer side along with obviously the producing and the roasting side she's focusing primarily on educating her customers and she starts from really small intimate groups the name started from a small intimate group what she's doing is like firsthand like on her own she's like doing everything on her own and then she had an opportunity took it met amazing people started a non with another person who's already started a woman in coffee project like she's on a great path towards being a successful businesswoman and then her devotion to her daughter was beautiful to listen to <laughs> um so yeah i just like genuinely want people to help her like bring her awareness of what she's doing to the forefront and help grow what she's trying to create for sustainability and for obviously, I think she does want to work on a lot of economic development that Ruth was doing. And it's just great.